welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. It's time for another 10 Things episode, and our guest this week is David Kim, a coach in Japan. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Now, David and I, we don't go way, way back or anything, but the first time I met David was when he was a Grapeseed teacher in Korea. At the time, the Grapeseed Japan training team, we all went over to Korea to do some practice teaching at a school there. And David happened to be a teacher there. So I'm really glad that he eventually found his way over to Japan and is now a coach. So excellent. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, when thinking about that time, I mean, that was a lot of fun, of course. And, uh, actually, yeah, it was kind of like, a an exchange teaching kind of program where, uh, we took turns just, um, teaching each other's classes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, uh, for us, like we bonded just because we're both from Seattle and, um, yeah, actually, uh, my partner teachers at the time were, uh, Miklos and Grace, whom you've had on this, uh, podcast show. Perfect. Uh, I was going to ask, I'd forgotten who you were paired with, but I, I knew it wasn't me, but I forgot who it was, but Miklos and Grace. Yeah. Both friends of the show. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's crazy how, I guess, uh, like how small of a world it is in the grapeseed world, uh, and how things just come full circle. Like I used to teach in Korea, but now I'm here in Japan. Uh, so yeah, it's crazy how things like fall into place like that. And as you mentioned, we are both from Seattle. So before this podcast evolves into just Seattle Seahawks, American football talk, we should get (laughs) into, um, our grapeseed discussion of the day (laughs) for sure. So let's start yeah. with the first question here. What is your favorite component and why? Ooh, uh, I mean, there are, are so many great components. Uh, and I think the most fun I've had with is Little Dog from Unit 17. Okay. Uh, okay. It's a, yeah. Uh, I know that's kind of um, out of left field, but uh, the reason why I have a lot of fun with it is uh, uh, I love doing it's like a good voice acting opportunity for a grandfather uh, who's one of the characters in the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The voice I give him though, is kind of like, sounds like foghorn leghorn. (laughs) Like, uh, Oh, okay. Little dog, get your sunglasses and hat. And uh, Oh, these cookies are the sweetest thing I've ever eaten. Uh, (laughs) So uh, for me, it's a lot of fun because, um, because I do that voice, I just laugh every time I read the story. Uh, and this was the case when I was especially teaching it um, to kids. Uh, there was this one time, though, when I was teaching. And um, I think there's like a part in the story where uh, little dog, you know, he well, grandfather comes to the house and then. Uh, little dog runs out the door and flies into grandfather's arms. And then he says, oh, you are getting so big and heavy too. And then it <laughs> says like, uh, grandfather laughs as he carried little dogs into the house. And then I always provide the laugh for that. Like, oh, <laughs> um, but like one time I was doing that and I just like, I was giving that grandfatherly laugh. Um, and there's just this one day where, I think maybe I was just uh, really tired, um, so that <laughs> didn't help either. But there was just one moment where I just lose it and just like, like I couldn't stop laughing. 
where I couldn't even like progress through the story. <laughs> and the students were just like looking at me like I was a crazy person. Like they were like, oh, this guy is insane. We need to get out of here. Yeah. What happened to uh, Mr. David? He's lost it. Right. And then uh, some students were like, oh, Mr. David, are, are you okay? this one student just flat out said like mr david why it's not funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah you always get those like um cynical students like that yep um but yeah i mean for me it was uh it was a lot of fun uh oh actually uh as i'm talking about this one there's this one other favorite component of mine can i mention this one really quickly go for it that's okay uh yeah so i guess just like an honorable mention uh one of the story it's another story um but i really like uh what can you do in unit two okay uh one of the reasons why i really like that story is um the first thing is the art style i really like the art style and um i think the artist's name i i actually like looked tried to look for uh, the artist's name, and it was Akiko Yamaguchi. Uh, if I got your name wrong, Miss Yamaguchi, or whomever you are, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, you'll definitely find that artist's work all across like the Grapeseed units. Uh, another example of her art style is um, The Bear's Picnic uh, in oh, Unit okay, 6. Okay. Yeah, uh, there are some similarities between the art um, that you'll find, and it's a the Bears Picnic, another delightful story. Um, but going back to what can you do? Uh, the other primary reason uh, I like that story is uh, it's a story where, you know, students are asking animals what crazy things they can do. Like, oh, hello, giraffe. What can you do? Can you fly with birds? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get to like the end page, like the end of the story. And there was this one time where uh, my students... Uh, or one of my students, they stopped me at saying like, oh, Mr. David. Uh, and I'm like, oh, what's up? And then she's like gesturing to flip back to the pages. And then uh, she flips back to the page where there's Pete playing chess with a lion. And he's asking like, oh, hello, lion. What can you do? Can you sit and play with me? And uh, she's like, oh, Mr. David, this page, Pete is here. But this page, and she goes to the end page. It's like, Pete's not here. <gasps> the lion eat Pete. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, sure enough. If you look, go to, I mean, if you have time, go to the content site on the portal and uh, look up that story. And Pete's there on, I think it was like page six or something. And on the last, the end page, Pete's not there. <laughs> and I mean, keep in mind, this was, uh, like a four-year-old student and it goes to show like sometimes kids I mean they're so smart and they can perceive things that you know we take for granted and we don't notice mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's another uh, story that I really like the uh, I guess Pete didn't take the advice from the original Star Wars of let the Wookiee win in this case let the lion win <laughs> yeah. he must have won the game suppose. and the lion ate him i guess yeah i suppose the lion got too upset at uh losing and so he's <laughs> like you know what i'm gonna eat you <laughs> take a bite of you <laughs> let's move uh, on to favorite unit here is unit 17 your favorite unit uh actually no uh, i mean 
Unit 17, I like a lot. However, my favorite unit is uh, 32. Oh, wow. Way up there. Yeah, it's a lot up there. And uh, the reason why I like it is because uh, I feel like the songs are the greatest, I guess, uh, component of the unit. Because um, all the songs are really catchy. Uh uh, yeah, if whoever is listening to this podcast, I encourage you to take some time to go to that unit and listen to the songs. Um, mm. Songs like The Bookstore and My Piano, really catchy. Uh, my favorite of the bunch has to be probably Spelling Bee. Because, uh, I mean, it sounds like a K-pop song. Uh, it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm the world famous Spelling Bee. I'm the world's greatest discovery. I fly super fast, make honey, and spell words with no difficulty. And there's this like dubstep part in the middle. It's like, do, 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 uh, I apologize. Um, have fun editing that out. No, no, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the most glorious part of this podcast, I'm pretty sure. You doing dubstep. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the song of our people, I suppose, (laughs) (laughs) of our generation. Uh, so yeah. And, uh, I also apologize to those of you listening to this podcast via earphones or headphones. Um, the, (laughs) having that dubstep part, just like, uh, bang your eardrums. No way. It was amazing. Uh, so yeah, uh, actually the, the other reason why, uh, I like, the unit too is um uh when i first had to teach the unit uh, i had to teach it as a substitute teacher um so i really had no prior knowledge of the ongoing story in terms of the adventure readers of unit 32 uh yeah i think I think the teacher that, yeah, I had to fill in for, she was sick that day. So I had to just quickly fill in. Uh, and so um, just to give a brief context or background information of the adventure story, uh, in Unit 32, it's kind of like a continuation, like a part two of the Grapeseed Friends, like Pete, Dee Dee, Artie, and Tanya, uh, of their adventure in Japan. Uh, and so... Uh, the reader starts with the gang. They're trying to find a character called Hojo. And they look all over Japan. Uh, I think they're in Tokyo, uh, even until like nighttime. And like they couldn't find him. They're asking like, oh, where's Hojo? And eventually they just give up and then they just go home to rest. And they'll just try again the next day. Uh, and then we're reading the story in class. And I ask my students, I'm like, wow, I mean, this Hojo doesn't sound like a smart boy. Like, uh, boys and girls, do you know of any boy that ever got lost like this Hojo? And then one of my students is like, Mr. David, Hojo's a monkey. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it was that kind of moment where, yeah, I probably won't uh yeah i wouldn't ever forget that moment of where i was just like oh i should have uh probably read up on the story a little before, more before, beforehand right right uh and yeah that's just the importance of uh preparation uh for your <laughs> lesson 
Excellent. so that you don't look like a fool in front of your students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on here, what is a cool thing you've seen in the classroom recently? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I was watching this Unit 13 lesson uh, from this one teacher, and one thing that stood out to me was uh, whenever the teacher asked a question, there was always uh, there was always this one boy that was always the first to raise his hand and say the answer out loud, but also in perfect English. Uh, for example, the teacher asks, like, uh, can you draw a face? And the boy was always, he raises a hand. He's the first to say, yes, I can. And then he asks an additional question, like, oh, can you draw a monkey? Like, same thing. Uh, the boy's like, no, I can't. And this goes on throughout the entire class uh, where he's always participating and stuff. And then when it was time for talking about the class during feedback uh, with the teacher, I asked the teacher, I was like, oh, so I noticed there was one boy who was always so confident in his speaking. He was like the first uh, person to say the answer almost every time and uh, was like the leader of the class. Uh, then the teacher says something along the lines of, oh, actually, David, that boy he was one of the hardest students we've ever had. And he had so many like behavior issues. We had so much trouble trying to keep him behaved. Uh, but now he's grown up so much into that boy that you saw. And to get to that point, it yeah it took a lot of patience, praising him, encouraging him, and believing in him. And yeah, that's where he got to that person that you saw today and uh yeah it's those kinds of moments uh i mentioned that because yeah these kinds of stories really touch my heart to you know just see students grow not just in uh, their english ability but also in their character like their human as a human being uh it reminds me of a quote uh do you watch ted lasso or have you heard of it Oh, I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Oh, it's a phenomenal show. Uh, whenever you have time, like, please watch it. Uh, just do you, are you familiar with like the story or the premise? Not at all. Uh, so basic, I guess, one liner elevator pitch summary is, so there's this college American football coach from, I think, Wichita State. Uh, he's hired to become a manager of a professional soccer team or sorry, I, to, I apologize to my people in Europe, uh, football, uh, I suppose. Um, but it's the English premier league, which is like the highest of highs in terms of professional world football. Okay. Um, so anyways, I mention it is, uh, because, uh, the coach, during like an interview, he says, you know, success isn't about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas. He's, he's got a Southern draw, but I guess these young people um, be the best versions of this themselves on and off the field. Um, and it isn't always easy, but you know, neither is growing up without someone believing in you. And yeah, I think about that quote, 
and the story I just mentioned. And yeah, uh, like as teachers, we kind of have this opportunity to impact our students' lives and not just help them grow inside the classroom, uh, but ultimately, like the hope is that the values and the growth that we cultivate in them inside the classroom hopefully kind of permeates to them growing outside the classroom uh, where, I don't know, they just like come back home and they talk to their parents about how fun English class was or like they come back home and they confidently speak to their parents in English um, when they wouldn't have before. Uh, things like that, I feel like that's what it's all about. What a heartwarming story. I wasn't wasn't expecting that level of a heartwarming story here, but that's great. Mm, yeah. Next up, what is your favorite extra time activity to get kids using language from the components? There's this one song in Unit 7. Uh, it's called My Next Birthday. Oh, it's um, my jam. Yeah, you may have a box of blocks. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I so for that song, uh, I kind of copy the unit 18. I think it's unit 18, the action activity teacher may I. Uh, so what I did was uh, I give, uh, of course, I model this before doing the activity. Otherwise, kids aren't going to know what the heck, you know, <laughs> we're supposed to do. Uh, so I give the students a simple word, for example, like jump or swim. Uh, then the students have to ask, may I jump or may I swim? And then I either tell them, yes, you may. And if I say, yes, you may, then they do the action uh, or no, you may not. And they don't do it. Uh, I think this kind of activity is helpful uh, because uh, if you know the My Next Birthday song, it teaches the language function of uh, the question, may I? Like, may I do this? May I blank? Uh, and this kind of activity will allow the students to practice asking questions using that sentence structure. Yeah. And it's all polite language too. So it's kind of just building mm -hmm. a nice atmosphere in the classroom as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Excellent. You had mentioned teachers getting on the portal before when you were talking about your unit 32 and wanting people to get on and listen to the songs there. But going back to the portal here on the professional development section, what videos do you recommend most to teachers? For sure, the Grapeseed Materials, an effective teaching examples page. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, they're just videos of experienced teachers or trainers uh, teaching the components using the correct method. Uh, I go further in just recommending the single letter phonograms or the multi phonogram section. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, like, the single letter ones, you can find them in the poems videos. Yes. Uh, whereas the multi-letters, they're kind of their own standalone video. Yes. 
it kind of okay, mirrors yeah. what how they're taught in the classroom, right? Because with the the single letter phonograms, they're always taught with poems, except when mm -hmm. you're doing the review things now with the lesson plans. But the multi letter phonograms are usually not paired with another material, so they're by their own self. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, these uh, videos, uh, they aren't just going to show you how to present them with the correct method, uh, but also how to say the sounds correctly too. Uh, and I feel like that part is important of saying the sounds correctly is because, um, yeah, we want to reinforce, you know, just the correct sounds. Um, and also the reason why I mentioned this, because I feel like every teacher I've seen uh, teaches it differently which means there's probably a handful of teachers who aren't teaching it correctly. Uh, yeah, whether it's um, them not saying the sounds when it's time to air write, for example, uh, or where they just say the name of the letter, like, oh, boys and girls, so this is the letter G. They just move on. Um, or teachers are saying the sounds incorrectly. Uh, and this is significant because... Uh, some teachers there aren't aware of kind of like the impact or the long-term implications of this down the road uh, when their students have to transfer what they're practicing. Uh, these skills, they have to transfer these to things like, you know, assembly of words on the whiteboard or writers. Uh, I guess an example of this application is, uh, for example, if we taught, the sounds of G, like G and J, instead of, you know, G, J, uh, the correct form. If we did that over and over again, and then, you know, it's time for assembly on the whiteboard. It's like, okay, boys and girls, let's do the word go. G, G. What comes first? Then students might be confused, right? They might think like, oh, is this the letter G? I mean, sound, it doesn't sound like G as we've mm. practiced all the yeah. time in class. Uh, so I guess maybe not. Um, so yeah, this is, I guess, just a small example of what can happen or, yeah, just the, the implications of when we teach things differently from how it's supposed to be taught. Yeah, I think it's a, a problem area, mostly because there are just so many things that teachers have to keep in mind when they're teaching those single letter phonograms plus the poems. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a story, for example, stories, of course, they have their own challenges, but really it's you're pointing to the pictures, you're telling the story expressively, and that's really all you have to keep in mind. Whereas poems, it's okay. I have to say the sounds correctly. I have to air write it correctly. I have to make sure students are air writing it correctly. And then I have to read the poem. And like, th there's just mm -hmm. so many things that you're juggling that it can be easy to kind of forget the proper protocol. But I like your suggestion there of teachers accessing the the portal, the Graveseed Materials and Effective Teaching Examples page, watching those components in action, and then just, okay, how do I teach this again? Or let me see another teacher try this. Let me see what the, what a trainer does and taking that back to your own classroom and trying to emulate that as much as possible. Right. Uh, exactly that. And like, I also understand teachers um, that make that mistake, kind of like building off what you just said, how like, especially foundation training where there's just 
so many things you have to remember and so many like correct methods you have to, you know, just take note of and bring into your classroom that, yeah, you're probably going to make a mistake here or there. Uh, and you know, that's understandable. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, um, like you mentioned, that's one reason why I, uh, recommend teachers to watch the effective teaching examples, just to, you know, watch the correct form again, um, to remind themselves like, Oh, this is how you teach it. Um, Absolutely. so yeah. It's a good segue talking about mistakes here into mistakes mm -hmm. that you've made while you've taught. So besides your not knowing Hojo was a monkey in the adventure, <laughs> what's another mistake you've made teaching grapeseed that stands out? Uh, well, geez, I, there's so many of them, not including the, uh, Hojo fiasco, uh, <laughs> the Hojo fiasco. Oh, it's part of yeah. the, the podcast lore now. <laughs> we'll refer to it yeah. as the Hojo fiasco from now on. Yeah. The Hojo fiasco of 2017. Um, anyways, uh, I guess one thing is very like nitpicky kind of subtle thing, but it actually can make a big difference. Uh, and the, it's pointing to the words in the poem. Wait, actually, uh, I need to rephrase that because you should be pointing to the words in the poems. Uh, but for me, it was the way I was pointing to it. Uh, and what I mean by that is when I was teaching, I always pointed to the words, but I was pointing to the words one by one. And the reason why I say it's a quote unquote mistake is that it can encourage students to kind of read the poem in a choppy, like staccato pattern. Uh, for instance, um, like ostrich in unit four, uh, the poem, an ostrich is a bird that cannot fly. You'll never see an ostrich in the sky. Uh, but if you were to point it to the words one by one, what kid, what it can do is encourage students to, if you were to read it in a choppy manner, like an ostrich is a bird that cannot fly. You'll never see an ostrich in the sky. Making little robots, basically. As you're pointing to the words one by one, students are just following, you know, what they're seeing. They're following your pointer and they're just reading uh, the words like that as a result. Uh, and yeah, in hindsight, I had that teaching habit because my core teachers at the time were telling me, you know, that was the correct way. Uh, and so I was pretty much doing it because I was told to do so. Uh, and yeah, that my belief was, oh, that was the correct way. Um, but I realized that my students were reading in that choppy pattern all the time as a result. And yeah, I never thought it was strange until yeah, very recently. Uh, but if you think about it, like no one ever reads things out like that. Right. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, in grapeseed and because we, you know, we encourage natural speaking, uh, how students read with like in these, you know, shared reading poems and big books and so on, uh, it's ultimately going to affect their speaking. Uh, 
And like, if you came up to me uh, in the street and was like, hello, David, how are you today? The weather is good. I would look at you like you're crazy. I would run away from you. <laughs> like, right. No one ever talks like that. Right. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, so I notice other teachers doing this too. Uh, when they're teaching the poems, uh, they're pointing to the words one by one. So instead of that, uh, one thing you can try is pointing to the words in one fluid motion. Uh, and not just that, of course, you have to all the while model how to read the poems with fluency and not in the choppy pattern, as said before. And the hope in reinforcing that is, again, uh, as students are reading you know, naturally and you know, with fluidity, that that's also going to help them in their speaking as well. Makes sense. Good advice. Hmm. Let's move here to meaningful decorations. What are some meaningful decorations teachers can add to their classrooms? One thing I've seen a teacher do was they took, so first they took pictures of their kids and I was like, oh, why are you doing that? And uh, the teacher says, oh, I'm going to make cutouts of them. Uh, and I was like, okay. Uh, and then the next time I visited the school, uh, I noticed that uh, she put cutouts of those kids on her wall and along with like other decorations that were related to the unit. So for example, uh, if it's unit one where it's primarily animals, uh, you can have like zoo animals from the zoo uh, along with the cutouts of your students interacting with those animals. Uh, for example, if it like it's a boy uh, in your class riding an elephant, um, a girl climbing the tree with the monkey. Uh, and I feel like that was really effective because uh, it makes your students feel more included uh, in what they're learning. Uh, and it also, at the same time, it encourages them to uh, talk about the decorations, right? It, um, if they notice um, themselves on the board, and uh, that that's one way of engagement. And on top of that, uh, if it's related to what they're learning from the unit, then that's another plus. Uh, so yeah, I felt like that was a really creative idea um, to... Yeah, decorate your classroom and uh, assist your students learning. Definitely. It's a good thing to check with your school. Some schools are really sensitive about student privacy and taking pictures mm -hmm. of your kids and stuff like that. So run it by your manager, but it's a, it's a cool thing to do. I've seen that in a lot of classrooms too. So recommended, but make sure you do your due diligence. Due diligence. I can speak, I promise. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Okay, next up, tell me an aha or a light bulb moment you've seen in the classroom where a student made the connection between the language and the components and using it naturally. Ooh, so I had this student, his name was Alex, and uh, he was really sharp and a little bit ahead of the other kids 
because uh, he had an older sibling that was already doing grapeseed. Um, and so, you know, if the, he, in his household, you know, he's going to hear the same REP materials um, that his older sister was listening to. So he was already a little bit familiar with um, the unit we were doing at the time. It was unit eight. Uh, anyways, uh, he also talks with like kind of like the sassy voice, like, oh, Mr. David, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so it was a unit class uh, in unit eight where we're learning, you know, the concept of adjectives and their varying degrees. Like um, in that unit, you learn like, oh, fast, faster, fastest, uh, strong, stronger, strongest uh, adjectives like that. Uh, and so there was this one time in class where uh, not Alex, but these other two boys were like verbally fighting with each other. And for me, you know, as a teacher, you got to, you know, de-escalate that, right? You got to um, pull the plug on that, so to speak, uh, so that it doesn't, you know, um, I guess, escalate further into a even bigger fight. Uh, but before I could even do anything, uh, Alex, he's like, um, I guess for the purpose of anonymity, I'll give the, the boys, he mentions different names. Um, but he's like, Oh, if Charles and Kenny fight, who is the strongest? Who will win? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I, I, like there are some moments where you know as a teacher you got to be stern um but in that moment it was so impossible dude i just like laughed out loud and yeah it it was like i mean it's like i had to put a stop to that conflict but you know there's this teacher he's like just laughing and it's like man uh alex he put me in a hard spot um But yeah, I just thought that was like a really cool and funny moment where a student was using uh, the language of what he was learning in just a very, I guess, unique uh, way. That's pretty funny. Kind of. Yeah. How did it turn out? Did the kids end up settling down even with Alex trying to egg things on? Oh, so uh, after, you know, I stopped laughing like like a buffoon. Um, I had, you know, I just had the boys apologize to each other. Um, and yeah, things worked out, uh, even though Alex, uh, he, him and his antics aside, (laughs) I think we're noticing on this podcast that you really love being in the classroom and teaching and just being in all things grapeseed. You were laughing at little dog and your foghorn leghorn Looney Tunes voice, and then laughing here you're just having a fun time in class mr david is uh is a fun teacher oh yeah uh for me it's like you know if you're not having fun as a teacher then your students are probably not gonna have fun because students are kind of like mirrors they reflect the emotions that you feel Mm. and so yeah at the same time like for you as a teacher uh, if it's not fun, then every day is going to be like a chore for you. Uh, and so for me, yeah, it's like an opportunity to not just have fun for myself, but fun with my students too. And um, yeah, that's one thing we encourage in Grapeseed is 
to have fun with your students so that uh, they get to be excited uh, to come back to class, that they don't see grapeseed classes as kind of like a, just another class or another thing they have to do, that they see, they associate that with just fun. Mm. Like, oh, we're going to do grapeseed class. Oh, we're going to have fun. And so, yeah, that's um, one thing I always just keep in focus is just simply have fun. Excellent. Moving from your teaching cap to your coaching cap now. So you've gotten to see a lot of different grapeseed teachers. What are some of the best ones that you've seen? What has made them so great? So there is this one teacher. Uh, he's in Osaka. Um, and I visited the school and like what really what makes him great is that he loves to bring new ideas into the classroom uh, to teach his kids uh, a concept in just the most creative of ways. Uh, for example, like his class rules, like a lot of teachers, they just go through the list of their class rules. Like, um, however, this one teacher, um, and of course, like you mentioned, uh, please run this by your school, double check if this is okay to do or not. Uh, one thing he does is he kind of does like a puppet theater to introduce the rules. So for example, uh, there's a monster breaking one of the rules in class uh, where he, I, he was, had the monster and he was like, oh, hola, amigo, blah, blah, blah. Oh, bonjour. So, and then the students, they're kind of like, they, they're already familiar with it. They're like, no, like English only. Uh, and then uh, he has this superhero kind of swoop in and he comes in to correct the monster with the classroom rule saying, oh, speak only English. And the monster's like, no, and the monster kind of gets shooed away. So I thought that was like a really fun, uh, unique way to uh, introduce your rules in class. Um, and yeah, it, encourage, it engages students and uh, keeps them, I guess it, in a way it encourages them to uh, re reinforce your rules um, in class. Um, again, though, um, yeah, please run the Spire School to check if this idea is okay or not. And keep it time efficient. For sure, for sure. Um, Sounds fun, yeah, though. Mm -hmm, yeah, it, because it's a lot of fun, yeah, you can easily, as you mentioned, uh, get carried away and where it takes too much time of class. Uh, so yeah, keep it uh, clear and concise, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, just another example uh, that of what makes this teacher so great is uh it was my first day of visiting the school and uh it was summer uh so it was pretty hot and i see this kiddie pool and i'm like okay you now it must be for the kids since you know it's summertime it's hot the students you know they're probably going to use it to cool themselves off uh then i look i walk closer to it and i see these like two dark masses in it and they were like moving around and i'm like what the heck is that and then <laughs> i inch closer and sure enough it was two turtles and i'm like 
Oh, wow. It's a wonder what that's for. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, the teacher does his class and everything. Uh, it was unit two. And then it's time for the blue big book, the blue song. Uh, and so he's like, okay, boys and girls, it's time for blue. And he puts the blue book on an easel. And then he goes over to the kiddie pool. And I'm like, oh, what's he going to do? And then he, he picks up one of the turtles and then with his bare hands. And he's like, okay, boys and girls, let's sing. One, two, three, jump in, jump in. The water is blue. And as he's singing, he's moving the turtle back and forth outside into the kiddie pool. Like kind of like as a puppet along with the song. <laughs> and, yeah, of course, like the kids are just having a blast with it. And for me, I'm like, wow, <laughs> what is going on? And but I, I was like, wow, that's just a very, very unique and interesting way to um, keep kids engaged. And uh, I mean, we do encourage teachers to bring props in a class uh, and Granted, it doesn't have to be a live living turtle. Uh, it can be um, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was like a really uh, fun thing that um, the teacher did. Uh, just in general, though, uh, at the end of the day, I think what makes this teacher different from others is uh, I think Savin, who was a guest in your podcast um, yep. before, he said... Uh, how in, like one advice he gave to teachers was in every lesson to come at in with fresh eyes. Uh, and I feel like that's exactly what this teacher brings is he's always willing to not just come into his class with fresh eyes. He's always willing to learn and find ways to improve. Like after every class I see him, he, once he finishes his lesson, he goes over to his notebook and he's just jotting down notes uh, of things that he did and things that you know he wished he could have done, stuff like that. He's always like self-reflecting. Uh, and for me, uh, it's like he's I felt like he was doing that because he cares so much about his students and his students learning and also just their well-being that he was always like thinking of ways to make his students experience better so that they can just learn in the most fun and efficient way. So, yeah, that's why yeah, this teacher that um, yeah, I saw, that's what stood out um, to me. Excellent. Which leads us into our last question. So that was a good piece of advice. What's another good piece of advice you want to give to a veteran grapeseed teacher this time? So you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, without going too much into uh, Seahawks talk, uh, <laughs> I have to mention, though, the quarterback of our beloved team. Danger uh, Russ. Russell Wilson. Yes, Danger Russ. Russell Wilson. Uh, one of the things he likes to always say, oh, actually, he talks in a lot of cliches, so he likes to always say many things. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing... Uh, he says that really just uh, sticks to me is the separation is in the preparation. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty catchy. And so uh, I think about that 
And it's like, oh, that's actually really true. How what separates the okay, the good classes from the truly great classes is the time you spend in preparing for your lesson. Now, actually, I shouldn't use the word spend. Uh, rather than spending, don't think of it like that way, but rather think of it as an investment, right? You're not losing time. It's not a cost of time. It's an investment. Uh, and what I mean by that is the more time you invest in uh, preparing and thinking of ways to uh, make your lessons better, it the more beneficial it will be for not just your students learning, but it also will make your job easier. Um, an example can be like, for example, there's a difference between, you know, your uh, if it's especially a new unit, there's a difference when you do the components where your eyes are just glued to a story versus when you know the story well because you've spent time, or sorry, invested time <laughs> practicing it over and over again, uh, where you know it well and you're able to you know, know the story and also keep your eyes on your students as you're telling the story at the same time. Uh, and yeah, especially teachers, they, you know, like the difference between that, how uh, you're able to use your eye contact to keep your students engaged and you also, you know, notice what your students are doing in that time. Uh, and yeah, I sometimes uh, get feedback from teachers saying, oh, you know, I would love to, but I just don't have time. And it's like, well, I understand. At the same time, you're going to have to make, you're, you're going to have to make a trade-off, right? Like, in the society we live in, it's all about trade-offs. Like you're going <laughs> to have to lose something in order to gain something. But in this case, I feel like the, the gains outweigh what you're losing in terms of time. Because uh, again, yeah, it's if you want your classes to be less stressful and you want your classes to, you know, your interactions with your students to um, be all the more greater, then why not invest that little bit of extra time? Uh, even if it may be outside of your school. Um, yeah. Uh, why not take a chance on that? Excellent. I think a, a good analogy here, and I'm sure fun of the show, Miklos will make fun of me for being a biologist again, but our, <laughs> Our nerves, our nerves as humans, they, they transmit signals, electrical signals in our bodies, right? And mm -hmm. they go really fast, but they go even faster when there's like a coating around the nerve. So that there's a, it's called a myelin, but, but if they, if they have coating around them, then the signal goes faster. I think in a lot of the same way, our grapeseed teaching can be like that. If you invest your time and prepare your classroom with those cutouts or with turtles occasionally and mm -hmm. you're creating that that coating around the nerve so the teaching that you're doing that you're transmitting to your students comes through quicker and more clearly to them 
and they learn more as a result. So the same, a little bit of extra time on your hand investing in the beginning will result in greater impact educationally for your students. Yeah, that's well said. I, another simple way of looking at it is, you know, you reap what you sow, right? There, there the you time, go. Yeah, the time you spend cultivating your seeds uh, that you plant, uh, it's ultimately you're going to reap the the harvest. You're going to reap the benefits in the future. Uh, although it's difficult now, right, to invest some time uh, and energy uh, in the long run, uh, maybe in the short run too. Um, but yeah, it over time, you're going to see the benefits uh, start to play out in your classroom and even in your students speaking and learning. Uh, so yeah, that's something I encourage teachers um, to try. Uh, I, think to... We've, uh, I think we've got our bases covered there. I've got the, the science analogy. We've got the biblical one. We've all, we're all set up for success here. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, Grapeseed, we're all about uh, teaching lessons and um, we're all about incorporating all different kinds of learning. So um, yeah, that's why it's such a beautiful curriculum. Exactly. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, David. It was great to have you on. You're welcome. It was an honor and just a lot of fun to be a part of this. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. As always, everyone, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.